Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Mic check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to the third installment in Right Now-ish's special series all about life and land in Northern California. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw, asking you all to break out your wine glasses and your gardening gloves. We're going to a plot of land right next to the Alamany Projects in San Francisco. It's here, surrounded by herbs, fruit, veggies, and flowers that Christopher Renfro works the land. He co-founded the 280 Project with his wife, Jenea Chirik, in an effort to change the future of this country. I'm trying to create a uh, college pipeline rather than a prison pipeline. And I think it literally can all happen from the land. It's a unique piece of terrain. There's walking paths that lead people through a maze of crops. There's a compost area, a shed, some outhouses for those who need to potty, and there's a cozy amphitheater. Today, Christopher, a winemaker by trade, is gonna walk us through this magical piece of land and teach us how viticulture can be used to fight oppression and create opportunities for those who've been left out. More after this. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. This is Alamany Farm, San Francisco, off the 280 freeway. Uh, we are in the Outer Mission area on the backside of Bernal. Um, this farm is a SF public park, and it is a um, free place for anybody to come and harvest. You can literally come get any apple, any flower, make a bouquet. 
Uh, the only rules kind of are like, please only harvest what you will actually use. Um, so there's some for others. You have collards, kale, uh, dandelion greens, which are uh, bitter. Um, they're good for like uh, your liver, things like that. Uh, you have mizuna, which is a Japanese green. The farm spans three and a half acres. It starts on the backside of the Bernal Heights neighborhood and extends down a hill next to the Alamany housing projects. The 280 freeway runs directly in front of the farm, but with the abundance of native flowers growing, vegetables sprouting, and a huge willow tree, it's honestly an oasis, smack dab in a city. And they've even got a vineyard. Christopher Renfro is cultivating the vines and he's gonna tell us all about it. This is 65 Pinot vines right here and like, Right now, it's winter, so they're going to sleep. If you were to see the vines right now, there are no leaves on them. The, the vines are completely naked, basically. Uh, they are starting to grow. You can notice these little things on them called buds. So in the next couple of months, I will come out here and start pruning. So that kick starts, basically, your selection of how you're going to grow your vine that year. You Basically, it's your roadmap. The freeway, um, bringing about, like, toxins in the air, and also San Francisco with yeah. the moisture in there. Is it possible to actually grow good grapes for wine here? Yeah, totally. So one of my mentors, Matt Neese, uh, he runs a company called uh, North American Press. Uh, he has helped me start to grow hybrids. So hybrids are these crosses of vines that are bred for uh, drought tolerance, cold hardiness, pest resistance. Um, so those are the grapes that I'm really interested in working with because they're okay with the fog. They grow in cold areas. They uh, like also don't have to be sprayed with chemicals in certain ways because they don't get mildew. So I feel like those are the perfect vines to grow here in the, in the Bay Area. I read that each row has a specific name. What are the names of the rows and what are the significance of the names? Yeah, so uh, first row is Carver, George Washington Carver. Uh, then the second is the uh, MLK row, uh, Harriet Tubman, and then you have Huey P. Uh, so Huey P. Newton of the Black Panthers. So each one of these people I feel like is a, a significant figure in black history and should not be forgotten. But each one of them had ties to the land. They all had ties to uh, freedom, especially around the land. So like George Washington Carver, everybody thinks he's just the peanut guy. You know, he, he paid attention to how the earth moved, how the forest grew, how things decomposed. He really felt the energy of it. So that's what he went around and taught people when we were like in a bad time where our soil was getting lost in America because we were just monoculture cotton off of slavery and sharecropping. And with his Jesper, his wagon, with all his like agriculture equipment and uh, tools, would go show people how to like rotate crops, how to plant peanuts, how to plant legumes, how to like use things to actually make your soil better. So I think that's a true superhero. Inspired by these icons, Christopher's goal with this small vineyard is to empower black people by showing folks the benefits of being tapped into the land. It's less about commercial wine production and more about serving as an educational hub for folks of color, specifically to young black children from the neighboring housing complex. These vines are a tool to assist people in reconnecting with the land and learning agricultural skills that can open up doors for employment and entrepreneurial opportunities. I think there's a lot of opportunity and if we look at this industry as a whole, we don't see a lot of black folks in it. The way I got to this 
was I worked in restaurants, like I said, and I wanted to get further in the wine industry. I already have a horticulture background, but Napa always seemed so far away. Napa seems so far and it seems so white. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be able to get there. So when this popped up, I was like, this is my Napa. The small vineyard was originally started on a section of the Alamany farm site by a nonprofit group in 2013 called Neighborhood Vineyards. Christopher said that he reached out to the group's founder a few times to get involved, but never got a response. Years passed and Christopher was still interested. He needed to get his hands dirty in the soil. And in 2019, that opportunity arose. So I came back out here one day to see if I can just take a cutting of a vine. And I realized the whole vineyard was like dilapidated. Vines were ripped out. Who abandons a vineyard? I, I immediately talked to the farm manager here, Abby Bell, and asked her, I was like, who's, who's doing this? Who's stewarding it? Like, and she said they were gonna rip it out and just immediately rushed in and was like, can I take over these vines? So she went to the board of the farm and asked if I could take over. And within a week, December 2019, that's when I started becoming the steward of it. Growing season was beginning and Christopher needed to learn the fundamentals of pruning. So he reached out to a couple of heavyweight organic winemakers who agreed to give him virtual lessons. But the following summer, these virtual lessons and agricultural dreams got awakened by the harsh reality of living in the United States in the 21st century. All of a sudden, Ahmad Aubrey gets murdered. And Ahmad Aubrey gets murdered and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking and I'm like, like literally like kind of in tears and like going through it and thinking, I'm like, what am I gonna do? Like, what can we do? And I sat there and I was like, we gotta, we gotta turn this place into a spot for black folks and BIPOC people to come and actually be able to learn vineyard stuff. In effort to counteract the discrimination black folks face in this country, Christopher and his wife decided to co-found the 280 Project, taking its name from the freeway and the housing projects next to the farm. By starting a paid apprenticeship program for folks over the age of 18, they hope to increase diversity within the wine industry. You don't have to be from the wine industry uh, to be able to apply, to be able to come and learn about viticulture, enology, winemaking. And we go for six months uh, starting in March and go all through Napa, through Sonoma, through Davis, through Lodi, up and down California. And we meet with people that are really wanting diversity and change in this industry. This program, we are partnered up with UC Davis and a winemaker named Steve Mathiasen, who's also probably one of the best wine farmers, grape farmers in the world. I think so, organic farmers. He's also a very like, loving, kind person, a real ally. I'm trying to create a uh, college pipeline rather than a prison pipeline. And I think it literally can all happen from the land. If I could take kids from this neighborhood and put them at Davis and show them and let them see the agriculture school and let them see the vineyards and let them see, oh, there's also a basketball team and everything. Like, you don't have to just be a farmer. You can also still ball. You can do both. You can get two degrees at one time. Christopher's passion for education through farming runs deep. He's managed to expand the vineyard up the farm's hillside, and he took me up there to see it. This view is incredible, right, to see the whole farm? And then if you look at it, it's four rows of vines that mirror four rows of freeway. And same thing, I think uh, what's really special is up here, it kind of sounds like the waves to me, like the ocean. If you close your eyes and listen to it, it's kind of like being at the beach. 
Yeah, so I want this to be a place that kids can come up here, relax, chill, sit with the vines, hang out, and uh, like just be at peace, you know what I mean? Look at their houses and be like, wow, look at my farm. I have a farm. Winemaking is only one piece of Christopher's larger goal of connecting black folks to farming. So right now we're walking into the kitchen at Alamany Farm. This outdoor kitchen is a beautiful, like, concrete uh, structure with running water. It has two fire grills. It has one gas grill, uh, these marble countertops. It was designed by the school, California College of the Arts, CCA, as a student project. There is literally a farm with organic food that can be cooked right here on this kitchen and then taken into a neighborhood. So my friend Haley uh, Garabato and I, she's a Filipino chef um, in the city. We started a thing called Feed the People Collective here on this farm uh, years ago because I saw there was a need for us to be able to actually supply this organic fresh food to a community that is in need. Uh, once a month on a Sunday, we use this kitchen with other volunteers who are really awesome. So we get as much food as we can coordinating with Alamany uh, from here. Then we get other things from the Alamany farmer's market, uh, protein from different vendors if we can. Um, and it's all on donations of people that have the money that help us buy the food that we then feed this community for free. I also run and knock door to door on every single door in the housing and ask how many plates people want for their families. So it's literally a way of building trust. Separating Alamany Farm from the Alamany Housing Projects is this worn, rusted chain-link fence. Christopher finds its mere presence offensive. Really, there aren't that many other public parks in the city that you can think of that have a fence like this around it. So for me, this is like a barrier to people wanting to come in. Like, I've noticed that the black community still doesn't utilize it as, as much as other ethnicities so it makes me really think about the harm that's been done to black people as far as land access and land use. Um, I've even been told, like, what are you doing here? That's some slave shit, like that kind of stuff by young black women. They see it as like, I'm not touching the land, that's white people's stuff, or that's farmer or corny and nobody's gonna make me be a slave again. But actually, for me, my idea of being here is to like actually help heal that and change that. It's not slave stuff. My main goal, my main mission to like try and remind people that this is your right and it's your privilege and it's something that we have to give back to the kids. You're at the intersection of two very interesting things when it comes to African-American stories um, with the mass migration of black folks out of San Francisco over the past 50 years and over the past 100 years, how many black folks have lost land in the ag agricultural space in America. And so, this example that you have right here is a remedy of sorts and how do we upscale it? To do this, we have to be really serious about how the money works. People need to give up like a lot of their privilege that they're holding right now. So scaling an idea of either feeding the community or access to farming, Napa Valley farmers, give up some of your land. Sonoma Valley farmers, give up some of your land. If you know that you were uh, given land that was stolen, potentially, or you never had to work for it. If you come from rich family members and you're the kid and descendant of it, see how you might change history. 
give something away or help people out in a way. You know what I mean? Like, right. it doesn't even have to be give up. It can be open your doors. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's so with 280 Project. That's all we're asking people to do is to actually offer space, give us access to your vineyards so we can learn. What story does this land tell? A beautiful like glimpse into kind of what I would say is like a nightmare in America. Like, I think that we are battling telling the truth of how harmed African-American people have been from being robbed of their land, from being treated as second-class citizens. Like, why are young black men going to prison over and over again? Because they don't have this connection that young white men just are born with this privilege of being like, oh, we'll just go camping. I'll just go outside. I'll just ride my bike. I'll just go do these things. We, when we do it, it feels like we're demonized. The city needs to give back a lot to people that have been taken from, that have been redlined from, that have been, you know, treated horribly in school systems. Like, why are black people leaving the city so fast? This place tells that same story. They don't feel like they have the access or the safety. So it's symbolic of second-class citizenship. Yeah. I want this place to be a place where people of all different walks of life literally come together and respect each other and love each other and see each other as individuals and like as a community. And I feel like that's what we could do with farming. It's like everybody has to fucking eat. Everybody has to like drink water. Everybody breathes air. Stop making the shit weird. I heard that, man. Thank you. Thank you to Christopher Renfro, the co-founder of the 280 Project. It was an honor to walk the grounds, to feel the dirt, to see the rows of vines for myself. Thank you for your time and for your work. If you're inspired by Christopher's story, you can find out more by visiting 280project.com. That's the numbers 280, project spelled P-R-O-J-E-C-T. And for more information on Alamany Farm, check alamanyfarm.org, spelled A-L-E-M-A-N-Y, F-A-R-M dot org. Keep planning, keep growing. Marisol Medina Cadena joined me on this tour and then produced the heck out of this episode. Chris Hambrick is our talented editor. Seal Muller is our trusted engineer. Rice Dottenborough is our engagement intern. Cesar Saldana and Ria Garawal are the engagement leads. The KQED execs that make this all possible are Ethan Tobin Lindsay, Jen Shin, and Holly Kernan. I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, reminding you all that a little piece of land, when properly taken care of, can bring about big change. This is episode three in our series on life and land in Northern California. We're excited to share more next week. Peace. Right Nowish is a KQED production. Funding for Right Nowish comes from Akhenati Foundation, supporting the development of powerful social change movements to eliminate structural racism. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.